Well, you take every loss as a learning experience, and yeah, Miami's got a lot to work on and a lot to tweak and fix in the passing game. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today, available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So the Hurricanes passing game has been a huge topic of conversation, not to mention the red zone offense. So I figured I want to bring on a former Canes quarterback who's also going to be my co-host on Hurricanes postgame shows now through the end of the year. Malik Rozier is with us. Malik, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Um, actually in Tampa prepping up. I'm going to uh, be heading down to Miami tomorrow for the game on Saturday. So definitely excited to uh, get here on the weekend. You know, it's Thursday, almost almost Friday. So I'm definitely excited. No, oh, absolutely. And and listen, of course, everyone, everyone remembers Malik. And, you know, he was part of that 10 win team in 2017 quarterbacking the huge win against Florida State, the huge win against Notre Dame, which is one of my favorite moments in Hard Rock Stadium of all time. And, you know, Malik, I'd love your take on, you know, not only on, you know, the the offense in that Texas A&M game where they were moving the football so well, really up until they got into the red zone. And based on what we've seen so far, Miami's got a lot of injuries now at wide receiver. What would you like to see from Miami's receivers and from Tyler Van Dyke to really get that passing game going more consistently? Yeah, um, I would say first, you know, um, just really building chemistry this week. I think this week's going to be a big week, you know, in practice. Um, you're going to have your guys set for not only one week, but for two weeks now, you're going to have the same receiver. So getting that chemistry, getting it going. Um, I think the game plan would be very similar to kind of a Southern Miss game plan where I think we're going to run the ball heavy. I think that, you know, this team has an identity of the run game, which is good. You know, you mentioned the Notre Dame game. If you go back and look at that stats, the whole second half, I didn't throw. So there's nothing wrong with being a run dominating team. And I, I personally love that. Um, but, you know, I think the big thing is, is when the guys are open, hitting them, create confidence, taking the easy throw. And I think, you know, if Tyler can keep throws within 10 yards, you know, and slowly build confidence. And then let, as the game goes on, you take those 30, 40 yard goes post the 15 yard comebacks, you know, um, it's kind of like baby stepping the receivers into, you know, get them comfortable, get them catching the ball, build their confidence, you know, really emphasizing, hey, focus on catching and we'll do run after catch second. Um, so that's the biggest thing is I just want to see the, the pass game really focus on having no drop balls. If you don't get yards after catch, that's fine. If they if you catch and they tackle you, that's fine. But really focus on just catching the ball and then let's progress to yards after catch. So that's really where I want to see the pass game go. You know, I, I mentioned last week the big frustration from the offense was once things got down into the red zone, right? Mm -hmm. And if you look at the statistic, of course, you get into the red zone four times, you come away with, you know, no touchdowns, only field goal tries in there. Um, it's obviously a frustrating thing to watch. So I'm curious from, from a guy who played the game, because you can understand things from the perspective of a quarterback where you know, I try to put myself in the shoes of an offensive coordinator when I'm watching this. And there's a lot of people who were second guessing, you know, the play calling. Uh, a mm -hmm. lot of people were second guessing the quarterback play. So what did you see from Miami in the red zone? Why couldn't they punch it in? 
Yeah, I would say, well, one, I think that uh, A&M did a good job of adjusting coverages. So I don't know how much people have gone back and really watched game one to two to this game. But, you know, if you watch, I mean, you look at them in the open field, they were heavy, heavy cover one, you know, one rat, one lurk. Um, they played us. They were heavy cover three. Um, same thing with the red zone. They they transitioned over to what we called like red seven. Um, they had three down linemen. They had eight to nine people drop back in coverages. And, I, and that was something that they didn't show until they really started playing us. Um, so I think the adjustment is is where I want to see Miami get better in the red zone because every team that watched that AM game and every team's going to watch it, they're going to steal those plays, the defensive plays, especially in the red zone, and they're going to use it. So we have to find either coverages or, or not coverages, but routes or combinations or rubs, whatever to beat that I would say a lot of times with that you just got to take underneath the routes because they they know that you want to take the shot to the end zone and uh, the big thing is is taking the underneath routes you know and and it's the receiver's jobs after to make a guy miss and go score Um, a lot of times they do that on third down or second and long because they know that you know you can't go outside the end zone so they basically hey get to the middle of the end zone make the throw high so that you know if the ball goes up it's usually going to go out of bounds because it's going to go over the receiver's head so that's kind of where um, usually in the red zone, when people run kind of that red seven blanket, um, the defense is definitely having an advantage in the pass game, at least down there because of the zone restriction. You know, something we've talked a lot about, and Malik Rozier, former Miami Hurricanes quarterback, uh, joins us. Uh, it's definitely we've had to have a next man up mentality, especially at the wide receiver position, right? Because first two games, it was very clear Xavier Restrepo was the number one target. He gets injured. Mm-hmm. He's going to miss several more weeks, right? And then yep. Miami gets Jacoby George back from suspension. And, you know, he he made some plays. So you're mm-hmm. thinking, he okay, maybe, really <laughs> yeah, maybe this is the guy. And then he breaks his he thumb. Hurt. He's going to yeah. be out for several weeks. So, uh, you know, talk about the challenges of losing maybe your top two receivers on the team. And, you know, would you like to see somebody because a big topic on Locked on Canes this week has been maybe cross training some people. And it wouldn't be that much of a stretch for a guy like Jaleel Skinner, who's playing tight end. He's mm-hmm. got kind of a wide receiver frame to get him more involved in the passing game and maybe even think about a guy like Malik Curtis who's playing corner, but he's got a background at a wide receiver. Should Miami do some, maybe some cross training or experimentation? Yeah. um, I don't think it's a bad idea. I think it's just something that they have to kind of figure out what they're going to do with Jalil. Like if you're going to transfer him to an X, like make him an X, or if you're going to have what I call like 13 package where it's still three tight ends, but he's not labeled as like a receiver because there are certain concepts and plays where like tight ends have to think like a tight end and a receiver have to think like a receiver. Um, so I think that, you know, there should be ways where they should go 13 personnel, split Will and Jaleel out, have Elijah at the attached tight end. And now you're going to have safeties and linebackers on your big six, 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 seven tight end split out wide. Um, so there should be concepts where, like you don't te- technically have to transfer him to a receiver. Um, you can build in 12, 13 personnel where he's still a tight end, but now he's split out at the receiver position. So that's just more of a game planning and making sure that he's comfortable running routes. At the end of the day, like I don't know where his route running is. I I know he's an exceptional athlete, um, but sometimes it has to do with, you know, like if he's just learning tight end, when you split him out, the, the run game changes, the pass game obviously changes the route tree. So like, slowly walking some of these younger kids through because that kid's going to play at some point, but it's like, you don't want to get it too early to where he starts losing confidence. You want to make sure that every route from every play that you call, like he's confident in running everything. So that's kind of where I see his transgression is. I, I think as the season goes on, he'll have to play more and he will play more, but I think he's trying to just gurgitate that, that new offense. Obviously this is a, a very complex offense. It's, it's, it's a good offense. 
Um, so just about him learning and, and him being prepared. Yeah, and I want to talk a little bit more with Malik, who's nice enough to join us on this episode about, you know, what it might be like for these players to be transitioning into a new offense, because it's obviously pretty different from what Rhett Lashley was running last season. And listen, I also I have to ask Malik about Hard Rock Stadium because he's been there for the best and the worst <laughs> of it. Right. He quarterbacked in yeah. the best atmosphere I've ever seen. And I've covered almost every Dolphins game and Canes game there. That's one of the best app. Uh, atmospheres as I've ever seen there and I've also been there uh, at noon on some Saturdays when you can't draw flies so we have yeah. a lot to get to keep it locked right here to locked on canes guys if you're feeling like you just can't get into shape it's not your fault as men age our body naturally loses free testosterone the man hormone it happens to every man and can make it more difficult to stay in shape and be energetic and active i'm pushing 40 i'm starting to feel that now guys uh so if you want more energy to counter the negative physical effects of aging nugenics total t testosterone booster with testafin will help you turn back the clock re-energize your workouts get you better results at the gym and help you look and feel like the man you really want to be. I've been fighting that dad bod for a couple of years, guys. <laughs> Nugenics Total Tea mm -hmm. contains man-boosting key ingredients like testophen. It has been validated in five clinical studies shown to boost free testosterone levels in men. Because Nugenics Total Tea boosts free testosterone that aging process robs you from, you're going to feel stronger, leaner, with more energy and drive, and more passion, too. And your partner is going to notice the difference as well. Nugenics Total Tea is the number one selling testosterone booster at GNC. Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you text COLLEGE to 231231. Text now and get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back into shape fast, absolutely free. So text COLLEGE to 231231. Text COLLEGE to 231231. Message and data rates may apply, by the way. Terms apply. Available at Nugenics.com slash terms. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts, available free on YouTube, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. So, you know, Malik, last year we saw Tyler Van Dyke absolutely thrive, specifically those final six games where he was mm -hmm. over 300 yards passing and over three touchdowns every single game to end the year. And, you know, it really made Rhett Lashley's offense look great. Some say Rhett Lashley's offense made Tyler look even better, whatever it was. You know, Miami transitions from that up-tempo spread to a pro-style offense this year. And maybe it's not just TVD. It's it's all the personnel on that offense. Uh, do you think they're still adjusting to that transition? How difficult do you think that is, not only for a quarterback, but for skill position guys as well? Yeah, um, there's definitely a transition period. One, I think, from just the terminology. So obviously, like a dig's a dig, but some people call it a dig. Some people call it a square in. Some people call it a, a in cut. Um, so sometimes learning, at least switching your brain from what you've learned it from last year's offense to you know their terminology is going to be one thing that's definitely a, a barrier. Also, just the way people run routes. Like I know whenever um, we had James Coley, you know, we ran comebacks where they went to 15, and then they were down and out 45 degrees. When we ran Rick, our comeback was straight up to 15 and now down the stem. So there's small things like that, too, that coaching staff, they'll run the same route, but how they come out of the break, whether it's, you know, a speed cut, whether it's, you know, they have to like stick and cut um, small things like that. They'll have to change. So I think there is a learning curve. But for the most part, I think it's just about confidence. You know, I think from a quarterback standpoint, at least for me, like I, I think if I'm a quarterback, 
Um, understanding why he's calling what he's calling is the biggest thing. You know what I mean? Understanding, hey, like he's calling this play because we understand on first and second down inside, if we're at like first and 10, like this is the coverage. If it's second and seven, then this is the coverage. So understanding that he has his call sheet based on coverage tendencies and like that's going to change whether, you know, you have a guy like Gaddis that's more run heavy guy or you're going to have a guy like Lashley that's going to be more pass heavy. Um, so that's where it's kind of like as a quarterback getting into your OC's head and understand like what he's thinking and why he's thinking it is like the biggest challenge going from one offensive coordinator to the next, because that's what it's going to take is that OC trusting you that no matter what play I call, the quarterback is going to put me in the right play, make the right decision. So that's kind of where like as a quarterback, you have to understand the mind of your actual OC. You know, and, and speaking of of the OC in the mind, I, I just I wanted to bring something up because I'm experiencing this. Uh, you know, I, I noticed, you know, a lot of people, obviously, after, you know, no touchdown scored in Texas A&M, a lot of people will just knee jerk react to complain about the offensive coordinator. <clears throat> and then everybody's talking about, oh, how much I miss Rhett Lashley. I want to <laughs> remind people of something. OK, uh, I'm not saying Rhett Lashley didn't do a good job. Right. I, I clearly I enjoyed I really enjoyed the passing game last year. So I'm not going to say he didn't do a good job. But I recall a lot of you complaining about the running game under Lashley and oh my god these handoffs from shotgun we can't pick up a yard and now yep. everyone completely forgets about that like this year when Miami is running the football really well you guys are like oh I miss Rhett Lashley That's so much but let's not forget people were complaining about that so like I don't I don't know Malik if there's a, a perfect offensive coordinator or offense uh, offensive situation out there but I notice a lot of the people who are now complaining about uh, about Gaddis are forgetting about some of the things they complained about Lashley for. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing that I'll say is that the pass game, at least from my, from my experience, the pass game usually takes longer for chemistry wise than the run game. You know, the run game is very simple. It's, Hey, you know, you're going to move, right. You're going to get on his inside or outside edge back. You're going to watch the guard. You're going to go from his hit, go, go aim at the guard or aim at the tackle. Um, pass game kind of involves everybody. You know, you have to have the offensive line on the right cues. You have the receivers run the right routes, the running backs run the right routes. Not only that, um, I'm pretty positive in this offense, they're probably reading coverages and they're adjusting their routes based on coverage. So that's kind of where it takes a lot of chemistry because Tyler has to trust that some of these younger receivers are adjusting their routes based on what they see. Um, I'll give you a good example that uh, I'm pretty sure it was either Keyshawn or Redding. You know, they had the false start that uh, Tyler hit like the deep comeback. He was on the right hash, the way to the left. That's supposed to be a go route. The receiver was smart to say, hey, he's deep. Let me stop and come back because he's 15 yards ahead of me. So it's like that adjustment in the past game is where like people don't understand that it takes time. It takes chemistry. It takes receivers kind of knowing what they're seeing and, and how to run their route based on what they're seeing. Because you can run a dig. But if it's quarters, cover one, one rat, or even three, like that same route will change based on his leverage, based on who's who's around him. So that's where it takes a lot of just repetitions with Tyler and these young guys because how someone runs a dig, like Jacoby George is going to run a different different than Keyshawn, and Keyshawn's going to run a dig different than Brashard Smith. So it's like having those chemistry, knowing like their angles, their breaks, their speed, like how they're going to come out takes them takes a lot longer than you know the line moving five or six guys and the running back finding a hole. So that's where it, it will take longer for the pass game to develop. Um, but at least from like, you know, having the right athletes at receivers, we obviously have great athletes at receivers, tight ends and running backs. And obviously we have a really good quarterback. So I think we, we at least have the right pieces. It's just about them figuring it out and, and kind of creating that chemistry between each other so that they're clicking on that cylinder. 
And a lot of this makes me feel better, by the way. And I love the way when, first of all, when Malik breaks down schematics, it makes me feel very dumb. Uh, but I feel like I learned something. So I, I, I love this. I love this so much. Now, you know, something that, uh, you know, people have been asking me about this throughout the week, you know, suffering you know, a tough loss on prime time. <laughs> Um, any concern about Miami having a letdown game? I'm not really concerned because mm -hmm. I'm assuming they're very angry after, you know, the way things went down last week. Yeah, I, I would say this. Play angry, but also play smart. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's like the biggest thing that that we have to do. And I, and, and I would say this. I felt like the first half of that A&M game, we let our emotions take over our ability to play. And you saw we had – the drop, the drop punt, obviously. I know Tyreek personally. I was at Georgia with him. So that kid cares. You know what I mean? Like there's no one on the team that's going to care as more as Tyreek. But it's like he let his emotion of him, I need to make this play instead of you just doing your job. And it's like as long as we can keep those motions in check, because I know there's going to be guys that are pissed off, especially like the older guys, because that was a bragging right game. So yeah. it's like keep your motions in check. You know, as long as you do your job, like we'll we'll beat every team on our schedule. It, it's, it's not that. But as you can tell, like we have to do every little thing right to beat a team like Texas A&M. Whenever we play Clemson, whenever we go in and play for the ACC championship game, like those little mistakes that like don't eat us up in games like Middle Tennessee will in bigger closer games so that's where it's like i really just want to see them be as clean as polished as they can um because i think that's what miami has been missing for a very long time is just discipline and not discipline for like one or two quarters but you know one through four i i, I would say honestly the only complete game that i remember us playing with pure discipline was that notre dame game like it clicked offense defense special teams like you saw what a complete miami football team hitting on every cylinders looks like but that was because we played this in football we didn't have a lot of penalties <clears throat> didn't have a ton of turnovers. They had the turnovers. You know, we we protected the ball. So it's like when you play good football, we have the athletes to blow basically anybody out. But it's about us doing our job and, and making sure we're doing the right thing. So we got to talk when we come back with Malik Rozier uh, about about stadiums because and I think people <laughs> blew it up a little bit too much uh, what Tyler Van Dyke said. But listen, I, I want to talk to a guy who has played in that stadium and has been there with some incredible crowds and some not so great crowds. So. Uh, make sure you keep it locked to that. Alex Dono with Malik Rozier. And guys, make sure you're like me and you're on Bet Online every single day. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. Miami's a 25-and-a-half point favorite this week. Uh, and as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sport wagering info with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Here on Locked on Canes. So, uh, you know, we, we did an episode uh, last night about this, Malik, with, you know, Tyler Van Dyke talking about the atmosphere versus college atmospheres when Miami visits, visits other universities. Um, you know, what was what was your experience like at Hard Rock Stadium? Because like I mentioned, we've talked a lot about that Notre Dame game. Uh, best live crowd I've ever witnessed in that stadium. <laughs> and I've been to probably hundreds yeah. of games there over the years. That was the best live crowd ever. And listen, I also go to games like the Southern Miss game a couple weeks ago, noon kickoff, non-conference, where not a whole lot of people make their way into their seats. So what's your take on playing yeah. in that environment versus going on the road? Yeah, yeah. Um... I would definitely agree with Tyler. I would say that 
Um, a lot of teams, and not even teams, I feel like a lot of schools in general circle uh, Miami whenever we play there. Um, so I would say that most times whenever we like, we'll, we'll watch games and the stadium is barely sold out. We'll go there and it's a complete full crowd. Um, so I think that's kind of why we love it is because, you know, um, Miami's always kind of had that convicts like, oh, everyone hates us. It's us against the world. And when you go on an away game, you actually feel like this is what it feels like to be hated. And I know they felt that you had 107,000 people literally screaming at you. Um, so I think that's kind of why is that whenever you go to the big away games, you feel what they were talking about as you watch like the U, the U part two, and you kind of see how like people really didn't like Miami, but they couldn't do anything about it. And it's like whenever you go on road games, you, you definitely feel that. Um, I do wish that more home games were like the Florida State game and the Notre Dame game because those two games, even the Virginia Tech we played that year, um, that was a great game. And it's like that's what you need, man. You know, I I, I think a lot of fans talk about recruiting and 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 you fans have to understand that you can call whatever play you want to, but it's really about the X's and O's. It's really about the guys that are running the routes, the guys that are defending. And when fans show up, when they're screaming, like I can tell you Brevin Jordan and Jer and Jaron Williams both committed to us because they came to that Notre Dame game. They felt the atmosphere. They loved the game. They were like, man, like I, this is what I want to play for. This is why like you go to college football. And it's just kind of that feeling. It's like, everyone's here to support these college athletes. And, and, and that's why you go to universities because you want that support. Cause when you go to Alabama, when you go to Georgia, when you go to A&M, all those guys are there supporting them and they have jobs, they have other stuff they got to do on Saturdays and Sundays. They have families. So I know Miami is a bigger city. I know there's a lot to do, but at the end of the day, if we want to compete with them, you know, and this is outside the school, we got to support those guys on the field too, because I promise you when they look up every Saturday at college station and that thing sold out and our players look up, there is a different feeling there is a different presence. There is a different different intensity. I mean, even from an offensive standpoint, you know, a lot of teams, when they come to Miami, and I've said it before, teams go on full cadence. They say down, set, hut. We go to AM, we're clapping, we're knee up. We can't hear. And that affects offensive lines communication. That affects the receivers' communication. That affects everybody, even from the coaching staff. Like I remember we played um, at Louisville freshman year, and it almost became a big issue because it got so loud to where we couldn't hear on our headset. So James Coley couldn't tell us the play to give to Brad. And that was because oh they were gosh. screaming their heads off on third down. So that's the effect that, like, fans don't understand that you not only have an effect on the actual players, but there's times when you get loud enough where it'll literally affect the communications of the headsets. So now, like, away game teams are, are, are really having a, a problem communicating to each other. Um, so there's times that that's happened before, and we've actually had James Coley come stand behind us and yell in our ear the play call so we're able to signal it because the headset stopped working. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, I, I think it's it's just up to up to the fans to to really be like everything you're talking about. Be consistent, go out to games, support the team. Obviously, there's a lot of chatter about uh, a new stadium, and I appreciate mm -hmm. all the work that the Ruiz family is doing because uh, I do think that there could be benefits to Miami having their own building and not renting one from Stephen Ross and the Miami Dolphins. But then at the mm -hmm. same time, you know, having your own stadium doesn't automatically, you know, make 65,000 crazy people there like it's still up to the fans to do it and you know so I'm curious as to your take on that Malik because also I'm sure if you had a stadium a couple miles away from campus I'm sure more students would show up but mm -hmm. there's not a lot of students period like people forget that Texas A&M had three times as many students in their student section as Miami has enrolled in their university <laughs> so it's like you're not going to automatically get you know get that. yeah and I yeah agree. so so I'm so I'm curious like well, what's your thoughts on the whole on the whole stadium debate and what the Ruiz family's working on yeah uh personally I love it I I 100% agree I think Miami does need their own stadium um 
at the end of the day, when something is yours and only yours, you're going to protect that a lot, a lot more than if you're sharing it with a whole nother organization, a whole nother team. Um, secondly, I think it about like, imagine if Miami wanted to do a pregame event every Friday for the student body at the Hard Rock, would they be able to kind of, and the way I think about it is, you remember, I know all of us are making fun of Texas A&M, but they had their guys on the field. They were doing that whole little weird March thing, but it's like, there's events, there's stuff that you can do now because you own it. You don't have to ask anyone for permission. You're saying, screw it. We're doing it. We don't care. Like we want to do this. So I think you have the ability to do stuff. Um, and I, and I, and I, and I do think you slowly do get student body. So the biggest thing I would say is that the guys that are going to be donators are going to be people that went to university. And, and I know anyone that lives in Miami, you're slowly seeing it, that there are more people from the Northeast, New York, Connecticut, Pennsylvania that are slowly moving down to Miami. Also, those are the same people that are enrolled at Miami is that northeastern New York, New Jersey area. So I think that if we can give them a slow bond of saying, hey, like we have the campus on stadium, you know, the kids come to the game because I'll tell you at Georgia, it's it's not loud as you would think it is. It's a lot of just mom and pops that have been going to the game since they were in college. They're now taking their kids, they're taking their cousins, they're taking their whoever's in town for Athens. Um, and so that's kind of where I see the reach trying to go into is saying, hey, we're not worried about now, about selling out now, but in 20, 30 years, as we built this brand loyalty of students to the student athletes, you'll have people that live in Miami that's like, hey, I'm not doing anything on Saturday. I want to go. But for me, like, if I have no connection, if I've never been to a football game, if I'm 30 years old chilling in Miami, why would I go to one now? Yeah. And that's kind of where you build that loyalty by having something that's easy for them. Because I think about it like, these kids are paying a quarter of a million dollars to have to drive 30, 40 minutes on a yellow bus, intoxicated as I don't know what, hot <laughs> ready to then get up there and tailgate in the sun again. It's just like, like if 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 you want to get people to buy in, get the 18 and 19 year olds, 20 year olds that have a mom, dad pay for them to go there. So they'll buy into that. So when they graduate, they'll give that same money back to university. So it's it's really having that buy-in process of making it easy for the students to get there. Um, but but I do see some there, like 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 you said, there are some issues with our student numbers being low. Um, but I do think that the move is kind of what you need to do because we're not having great success at, at Hard Rock unless it's a big game. So it's like, why not try something new? Why not do something on our own? Like we're big enough. We have the alumni. We we have notoriety. I, I would say we're probably top two to three just logos of the U point blank period. So it's like we have what it takes. Like we're, I'm, I don't mean to be disrespectful. We're not Middle Tennessee and they have their own stadium. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like yeah. – it's like, come on, like, like at some point, like kind of like the indoor. When I first got there, Miami didn't have an indoor. So we got the indoor. And now we're doing a great job with the facility. So I'm glad that they're moving on that point. But at some point, we do need our own stadium. I don't know if it's now. I don't know if it's in five, ten years. But I do think at some point um, they do need to have their own stadium to kind of say this is ours. We own this. We run this. Like whatever we want to do here, whether it's a Friday event, whether it's a Sunday practice. You know what I mean? Like you can't do a Sunday practice at the Hard Rock because the Dolphins play. Yeah. So it's like whatever Mario wants to do. You know what I mean? Like now we have full access to do what we want without having to ask someone else to get approval from the Miami Dolphins to, to have access to Hard Rock Stadium. It makes a lot of sense. Malik Roger, before we let you run, let people know some of the projects you're working on, because I, I see your NFTs and I know uh, I know you're doing a lot of good things out there. Uh, let, let people know what they can find. Yeah. So um, on our Twitter, it's called Miami Mills Club. Um, or you can go on our website at MiamiMills.io. Um, but basically what we're doing is um, this year we've done NIL. I am working with people inside the university right now. I actually just got a meeting earlier with them um, about integrating, you know, the business networking side. Um, so I know they have a group um, that they're working with now. But our biggest thing is helping guys after they graduated, you know, that didn't go to the pros, transitioning into kind of that work world. Um, so what we're doing right now is if you go on, on MiamiMills.io, there's a button up top that says Mint Now. Um, we're, it's a hundred dollars. We're taking half the proceeds 
and I've talked to compliance, we're building actually a business student grant. So it would be for student athletes only. They'll basically pitch us their business idea. We'll go through and say, hey, this is the one we like the most. And then we'll give them $10,000 to actually help them take that idea and make it into reality. We have business partners that help mentor them, that help them with website development, that help them with all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's really what we're doing. We even have a way that people can use credit card processing. So whether you understand crypto or not, um, you click Mint now at the very bottom, it says pay with a credit card. So you would go on, um, you put in your credit card information and it'll let you pay right there. So we're making it really simple to transition anyone that doesn't understand crypto, but understands the idea of, hey, we're trying to help Miami guys, whether you make six or seven figures in the NFL or whether you own your own Fortune 500 company or have a small business, like we're here to help you, whether you're on the field or off. And that's really what we're trying to build. I love that. And, and I think that's great that you make it simple because like, I'm invested in crypto and I still don't feel like I understand it. Like it's Yeah, like <laughs> so that's why we have the credit card processor. So like I said, yeah, you go on and, and if you go on Miami Mills Club or it's Miami Mills Club on, on Twitter, we actually have tutorial videos that I did myself. Um, and it kind of cool. runs you step by step through like this is the process from website to click to the credit card to to the mint and everything. So it's super simple. Pi takes a couple minutes. Um, we will have some more stuff. So I know we have like end of the year dinner with about 10 to 12 student athletes that will have them after this uh, after the year and kind of talk business with them. Um, but that's really what we're trying to help these kids is as they're making this NIL money, think business now, you know what I mean? Like you're going to get taxed, but like if you have $20,000 from all this NIL money, like what could you use that for? Could you start your own small business? Do you want to do a nonprofit? Do you want to do your own? Like, like we helped Cam Harris with Cam Harris seven on seven. And so it was an event that he wanted to do that. We helped him kind of put together like a PL or revenue statement, kind of the logistics of running a seven on seven. Like it's cool to have an idea, but it's better to turn that idea into a reality. So that's what we're trying to help these kids do is transition ideas that they have about business into a real business idea or I business dream. So oh, that's fantastic. So make sure you guys follow Malik at Malik Rose, 12 on Twitter. And guys, make sure you make Locked On ACC your second listen. I was on the Thursday episode with Candace Cooper. I do every Thursday now on Locked On ACC. So make sure you support that show. And of course, Keep supporting Locked on Canes. We'll talk to you guys again tomorrow. We'll have John Garcia Jr. talking some recruiting, director of football recruiting from Sports Illustrated right here on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team 